0: Welcome back to Questions and Answers about the Bible and Theology. As a church, we recently completed a journey through the book of 1 Corinthians that started in May 2019 and ended just a few weeks ago with breaks along the way to consider other texts. In today's episode, I will talk with Aaron about his reflections on preaching through 1 Corinthians. Aaron, it's great to have you here.
1: Good to be here. Excited to talk about 1 Corinthians with you.
0: As we heard you preach from 1 Corinthians, Aaron, there's been many difficult difficult texts that you've addressed along the way, and I just have a, a few questions here uh, to help both our listener and us as we consider it once more. As you've gone through 1 Corinthians, Aaron, were there any lessons you learned about biblical interpretation as you've worked through the text, and there were numerous difficult. Um, translations as or interpretations of certain passages.
1: Yeah, working through 1 Corinthians was really challenging. And as you know, and as the people in our church know, that was really my first time preaching through a book. And so to have to, week after week, work through a text and, and not have an out when facing a challenging text, I think that there are several lessons I learned about reading the Bible, interpreting the Bible, teaching the Bible. But I think the the first and maybe the most important lesson is to have humility in interpretation. Mm-hmm. I think it can be easy for us to read the Bible and have an interpretation of a text and look at someone else's interpretation and just look down on it because mm-hmm. we, we just think it's wrong. And, and so I think that as we work through a challenging book like 1 Corinthians, it becomes really obvious that we need humility in interpretation. So as I mentioned throughout the sermon series, Paul is writing a situational or an an occasional letter. So there's a situation that he's addressing. And for some of those situations, we just lack the background information that we might like to have to fill in some of the gaps so we can know what is actually going on there. Mm -hmm. And so as I studied 1 Corinthians, I just came to realize I needed to admit when the text isn't as clear as I wish it was and and when we just don't have all of the background information that we we would need to be as confident in our interpretation as as we might like to be. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, there is freedom In reading the Bible for people who love God, the gospel, God's word, and arrive at different conclusions in interpreting different texts. And along with that is the recognition that not every interpretive decision is as important as another one. Mm -hmm. And and so how you interpret the Holy Kiss is not (laughs) going to be as important as how you interpret Paul's presentation of the gospel.
0: Mm, and especially on some of those difficult texts, especially as you're going through uh, divorce and remarriage, I really appreciated how you laid out the different arguments and the valid interpretations there. And I think you were really demonstrating humility, acknowledging that there were brilliant scholars on, on each different interpretation there.
1: Yeah, you're you're pointing one of the most debated yes, sections yes. there, this divorce and remarriage in First Corinthians 7. And I think that's right. I think we have to be able to say there are people who love God, who want to live in obedience to him, who arrive at different conclusions. And so it might be best just to list the possible valid interpretations and, and then give a leaning and and say, I think it means this, but there are others who mm, interpret mm-hmm. it in another way. So so I think really the first lesson was humility and interpretation. But then second, I really benefited from modulating or bouncing back and forth between reading widely and reading deeply. So every week for the year and three months or whatever it was, I read through the entire book of 1 Corinthians in one sitting at least Mm -hmm. once a week. And then, of course, in preparing for the sermons, I would dive more deeply into a smaller portion of 1 Corinthians. And I I think that I've learned the value of reading a book in one setting, getting the larger message of the book— and then as, as you study one passage in particular, you start to see how it fits into the larger message of the book, but then you also allow that larger message to give you insights into that, that smaller unit of text. And so it sharpens each other, it, it, it helps us grow as we understand what Paul is getting at mm, mm-hmm. to read widely, then also to pause
0: and go deep. Mm, that's great. And, as you were going through First Corinthians over and over and over again, no no doubt there were some passages that weren't always obvious or immediate in its under in interpreting or understanding what it's saying. Uh, what were some of those really just challenging texts that you had to to work through maybe the most difficult perhaps I don't know if there's mm-hmm. one that comes to your mind
1: Yeah well you mentioned one already yeah. in 1 Corinthians 7 where there's the the application of that text as mm. it relates to divorce and remarriage is certainly challenging I think 1 Corinthians 11 had coverings is uh, certainly yes. a challenging text and then of course the spiritual gifts section in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and, and again, I think these texts in particular highlight the necessity of humility and in interpretation, dependence on the Spirit of God to guide and direct. Uh, but, but yeah, the, there are many t- challenging texts in
0: First Corinthians. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt at all. As we think about biblical interpretation and navigating uh, those difficult texts, uh, we know that cultural issues really contribute to the, the complexity of those texts. Uh, so how do we then, Aaron, as the reader, determine whether or not something is cultural and maybe not binding then, or not cultural and therefore binding? And you already mentioned it, but like the head coverings.
1: Yeah. So I I think you're sort of asking when there are commands, how do we know if those commands are to be followed mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. if they were simply culturally grounded? And yes. so we no longer need to follow them or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think before we can answer that question, we have to step back and just remember that the entire letter is written in a particular cultural context. So there is virtually zero verses that aren't impacted by the culture in which Paul is operating and to which Paul is writing. And so we just have to understand our interpretation— will be influenced by the cultural context. So when we start reading texts like in 1 Corinthians 7 or 1 Corinthians 6 where pe- where people are inundated with this cultural philosophy where the body is evil the spirit is good. So there were some Christians saying if if the spiritual world is better than the physical world, now that I'm a Christian, should I should I get divorced? Mm-hmm. You know, so so the cultural context frames the way that we ought to hear those things. But then you're right, as we work within that cultural context, we have to ask is Paul instructing something to to facilitate cultural appropriateness or is he giving a command that is transcultural that that transcends culture? And for instance, women can pray and prophesy Mm -hmm, as long mm -hmm. as they're wearing head coverings. Well, I think that a good clue for us is if the text makes very little sense to us Mm -hmm. on a straightforward reading, there might be a cultural issue at play there. Mm. And as soon as we get into discussion about both men and women in head coverings in corporate worship, we start to say, I think that there's something very culturally prevalent going on here. So then if we can work in and try to understand the cultural context and recognize a principle that Paul is offering, we for sure need to be obeying that principle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then we have mm-hmm. to discern is our cultural context similar enough that that command should be followed here? So, so in the head covering text, for instance, I think that there's an emphasis that Paul is trying to make of respect for one another, not making a social statement by, the, by not wearing a head covering in mm. worship. And so mm. you ought to wear one because otherwise you're drawing attention to yourself and not to God. Um, but then if we get later in the text with the holy kiss, you know, in our culture, a, a kiss <laughs> is on the cheek is just odd. You would never greet somebody that way. Uh, if we lived in Spain or somewhere where this was common, we might look at that and say it's not, you know, it's culturally mm, conditioned mm-hmm. there. But we're in a culture where we ought to be appropriating this command as well. And so I think we have to understand both the ancient culture and our own and really strive to, to see the underlying principle
0: and then apply that principle where where it's appropriate in our own culture. Exactly. Awesome. Aaron, as as you've gone through this book, um, are there any particular theological or practical takeaways from 1 Corinthians that are important to understanding the entire letter?
1: Yeah, I I think there are a few that come to mind here that kind of build on each other. The first is that Paul really emphasizes the Corinthians— Identity with Christ and Christ value system over against identity with the world in the world's value system. And so when, we, when I think of a theological takeaway of 1 Corinthians— It's that we ought to be seeing ourselves in terms of who we are as redeemed individuals united to Christ. So our identity is shaped by him and our values are formed by his system, not by our world system. I think this was a challenge for the Corinthians because so often we would encounter things in the text where it seemed like they were making decisions based on what would get them street cred, mm-hmm. kind of social credibility with the world. And Paul is saying, that's not who you are, and that's not the value system you ought to live by. Instead, find your identity in Christ and his value system. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a, a message that appeared over and over throughout the letter that, that we should really think about. I think the second one building on that is that our identity is forward pointing. Mm. And so Paul throughout references the resurrection, he he references the new creation, the return of Christ. And so there's really an emphasis on the resurrection and eschatology for Christian discipleship. And mm-hmm. I think this mm-hmm. is something that's lacking mm. in my life personally, I think in in maybe Christians at large is the idea of an eschatological discipleship mm. and, and thinking about how the resurrection in, in our life with Christ on the new earth impacts how we live now. Mm. So then finally, bringing those two together, as we think of who we are, our value system, and who we are made to be and who we will be, I think there's just an undercurrent of the importance of biblical wisdom to navigate cultural and personal challenges. And so we we need to develop the ability to think biblically, to think scripture, and to Mm. allow both the Old and New Testaments to shape our Christian lives and our Christian hope. And we see Paul doing this over and over again mm. as, as he points them to think about who they are in Christ, who they will be on the new earth, he's he's trying to get them to think with biblical wisdom. So he'll reference things like the Israelites in their failures in the wilderness, and, and he'll reference the the Shema mm. and he'll mm. he'll reference the character of God as revealed in the Old Testament to try to help these individuals to think biblically, to think Bible as they navigate the cultural challenges That they faced.
0: That's excellent, Aaron. Yeah. And by God's grace, we'll continue to think Bible and breathe Bible more and more until the day of Christ Jesus again. Aaron, do you have anything else you would like to add?
1: The final thing I would say is I would just encourage people to pick up a book called Eschatological Discipleship by Trevin Wax. In this book, I think he really captures the message of 1 Corinthians in this idea of allowing the future resurrection and our life on the new earth to shape our living now.
0: Thanks once more, Aaron, for your hard work on 1 Corinthians. I know our church has benefited greatly from this book, and we're looking forward to your next series starting in Titus. Thanks. Questions and Answers is a podcast brought to you by CLBC in Burnsville, Minnesota. To learn more, go to clbcmn.org or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. If there's a question you would like answered, you can email it to us at office at clbcmn.org. Thanks for listening.